Recorded. Good afternoon. It's Chickie Fitzgerald with the Executive Girlfriends Group. It is Friday, January 15th. And uh, for those of you who are listening live, if you guys can mute your phones, I would love to introduce our guest today, Annette Simmons, and she is the author of The Story Factor. And I'm going to let her tell you a little bit about her background. Um, But I have to tell you that... um, I don't know, a couple of months ago I was in Miami and I was uh, walking through uh, a bookstore at the airport and um, I decided, you know, I I love, love, love to read, but I just have no time anymore to read. And so I picked up the 100 best business books of all time and uh, and then it proceeded to sit on my desk for uh, about two months. And the other day I started paging through and I, I was needing to fill out our speaker roster for the uh, first quarter. And so I thought, well, you know, there have got to be some female authors in here, and I'm turning pages and turning pages, and it wasn't until I got to page 63 that I came across the story factor. And, uh, you know, I just thought, I just have to call her. I just have to see if, if she'll be on, on the call next week. And sure enough, um, we spoke and we hit it off, and uh, I just loved her, and I love the concept uh, behind the book, uh, I have really enjoyed just the short time that I've gotten to know Annette, and I want to welcome you. Thank you so Thank much you. for joining us. Uh, good to be here. Or connected. Good to be connected. Okay, great. We've got somebody maybe in a noisy place. It looks like Jennifer. Oh, sorry. I tried to unmute. I mean to mute it. I'm okay, I can mute you from this side if it's easier. Okay. Great. Star 6 will mute uh, the phone if you are live and uh, in a noisy place, and Star 6 will unmute you. Yeah, it it always works that way. Okay, great. Well, Annette, why don't you start just by giving us your your kind of particulars like everyone else uh, gave in their introductions, and then I'll I'll ask you some questions about your background. Well, uh, I live in Shreveport, Louisiana. I've been uh, here for two years. I moved home. This is where I was born and raised uh, because the, uh, the travel and and uh, it got away from me, and I, it had started to bring my health down. So I decided, you know, they say being surrounded by family, all that sort of stuff, uh, I'm going to do it. And I pulled up roots, came home. And after two years, uh, my health has improved, and I'm loving it. Louisiana's fantastic. It's one of those places <laughs> where eccentricity is valued uh, instead of uh, – it's a place where I always say if, if you're a troublemaker, instead of not inviting you to a party, which is what some people uh, would normally uh, do, in mm-hmm. Louisiana, if you're a troublemaker, you're, like, first on the list. <laughs> so my house is is near you know all my family and uh an extended family that stays in touch. I'm active in my church, First Presbyterian Church, and uh the uh I've been single since in 1983 having graduated for, with from LSU with a marketing degree, not wanting to go to law school, uh, decided to marry an Australian instead and moved to Australia, which I did, and stayed there for 10 years. Didn't really want to come back, but (laughs) 
was frustrated at how corporations uh, like groups were bleeding IQ points, and I thought, that it, this doesn't have to be that way. Came back, went to grad school, studied adult ed and psych, and stayed single, <laughs> which has suited me. Although I am seeing a boyfriend uh, that seems to be a keeper. So we'll see how that goes. And I have a little Italian greyhound named Lucy that uh, you may hear in the background at some point. Well, cool. Uh, a lot of us work at home and have uh, have pets kind of lurking around, so we, we understand that. And I have kids who tend to come in and out, slam in the doors. So, um, Annette, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about your business background and, and what was it that got you to the point where either you, de- you decided you want to write a book or somebody said, Annette, you need to write a book. And it's usually one of those two things, I find. When... Uh when I moved to Australia, I had this degree in marketing, which is not a big deal here in the United States, but in Australia, a lot of people don't even uh, finish high school. So it was really like having an MBA at 23. Mm. And I get got the opportunity to uh, work for Ericsson, you know, a, multi, a global communications uh, uh, company, and... Not only that, to be in a global environment, because if you're going to go, if you know, the market in Australia isn't that big. And in Australia, we had the largest manufacturing and the largest R&D outside of Sweden for Ericsson. I was in the graduate wow, program. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Well, that's back then. That's not yeah, now. I mean, they they were a client of mine back in back in the nineties. So in um, in nineteen eighty five, they uh, had the entire uh, public telephone market, and strangely enough, they they were all set up for cellular uh, networks because of the uh, the the low density of their population. Mm-hmm. It was actually you know financially feasible to have cellular uh, uh, service because there's people out on, you know, sheep stations in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Right. So we had cell phones everywhere before anybody else did. And in the 90s, we're, you know, doing things like calling uh, from one table to the other in a restaurant. Anyway, I got an opportunity to go into export for this company. So I just went from incredible opportunity to the next incredible opportunity. Uh, I was part of the graduation program. I had to learn. I had to go into the factory and work. I had to go into accounting and work. I had to go into uh, you know research and design, all those places where I had heard about in my in my business school education, but I actually got a chance to have grounding in all of those. And then they put me in export because, uh-huh. you know, I was a foreigner. You know, I'm from Shreveport, Louisiana. <laughs> I'm still I, trying I, to figure out how your accent fared down there, whether they could Well, understand. you know, they. I thought I sounded like a hick. And you know how we think a British accent is so exotic? Uh Uh-huh. Australians, at least this is what they told me, 
think that the American accent is kind of, you know, like we think of the British accent. And I was like, you have got to be kidding. <laughs> but, okay. And um, even now in the United States, people say I'm cheating because I have a southern accent. And that makes me a natural storyteller. So, whatever. So, I was an export and got a cultural education. I was able to misinterpret what they mean in Tokyo. I was able to offend people in the Philippines. I, you know, I just learned the hard way, baptism by fire, on a global level <laughs> before I turned 30. And I worked for J. Walter Thompson after Erickson so that the marketing part, which is my main interest only because my core interest since I was 14 has been psychology. Why do people do what they do? And uh, in certain cases, can we change it? Because groups, I, I have sat in, in group meetings, and, and we can talk with uh, when we go back to an interactive state. I'd like to hear from the, the people who are listening now. I, I wonder, you know, if you've ever sat on a with a team or a group or a committee meeting and thought, you know what, I I'm I need to leave now or my head is going to explode. Or, you know, I could do this easier by myself. Right. That's that's kind of where I was coming from and I thought, you know, does is this really as good as it gets? And that's why I went back to grad school and studied adult ed and psych. And originally thought that one of the primary issues was turf wars, territorial games, because right. as a female in Australia, gender was 20 years back compared to what it was here. So I went, we had made our advances, you know, to wherever we had made them in 1983, but I, I really went back to 1963 because when I was in Australia, you couldn't go to a supermarket other than the hours of 8 to 5 on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or Saturday, 8 to noon. So a working woman, when are you going to buy your groceries? Right. And the discrimination was extreme. So anyway, uh, that turf war, you know, how people keep you out. There was kind of a gender issue, but there's also, you know, how does marketing uh, keep out the um, the research and designer, you know, keep them away from their customers. And that those things went on. And, and when I came back, did my grad uh, uh, school, I was mentored by this incredible man named Jim Farr who – was it one of the original uh, creative sources for the uh, Center for Creative Leadership. And um, he peeled off pretty early because uh, uh, as they grew larger, they wanted to be more, um, more strictly uh, adherent to a set of, of um, What's the word I'm looking for? They really liked the the test and things be, being measurable and 
he right, was the whole more methodology into, around that. Yeah, and he was more into the self-awareness part of it. Right. And, you know, there's room for both, but he felt like he wasn't, they, they didn't get the opportunity to, to have some room to examine, self-examine. Certainly not at that point, which was, what, 50 years ago. I don't know. Sybil can tell us when CCL started. So anyway, um, then I, I was thinking, oh, great, I'm not going to be discriminated against anymore. You know, I'm back in America. I'm working in leadership development. And <laughs> guess what? I didn't get a chance to get the good clients, which are the ones that you get off the airplane in LaGuardia and you go in a taxi to a nice hotel and, you know, you get up in the morning and have a good breakfast and meet with I, my clients were, I got a, you know, I got on the same plane, plane to LaGuardia, but then I got a, a puddle jumper and ended up in a place called Fishkill at a Ramada Inn where the the heat didn't work. Right. And, and so I started doing research, which is how I've kind of defended myself through my career is through my writing or through my ability to to let my research speak for me. Instead of right. me saying something, um, I, I would let the numbers tell the story originally. Mm-hmm. And now I, I would, uh, in the terms of the story factor, I, I actually tell the story. And the, the deal is, if you do that, then they come to their own conclusions. Like, I didn't say anything right. about any territorial games. You know, I'm not saying anything about me, but look at these people, you know. So I started doing this research, and I asked people to tell me uh, about turf wars, and they would tell me their conclusions, or they would tell me metaphors, like um, she stabbed me in the back, or he um, is building his empire, or, or, you know, the technical term is just a pissing contest. Right. Those sort of things. And so... That's when I said, well, actually, you know, those are metaphors. You know, thankfully that didn't actually happen, literally. There were no puddles on the floor. So what really did happen? And that's when they would tell me stories. Right. And so these stories uh, began to reveal the the micro behaviors or the hidden behaviors that people in the organizations would use to keep some out and 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 to you know hold territory that they wanted to keep for themselves and i borrowed the frame of transactional analysis you know games people play right and the first book i wrote well so so anyway you were asking me how the book got to be written well i was just doing the research Primarily, you know, as a ploy to, I don't know, I guess really to talk to the clients that I wasn't supposed to talk to, okay? Right. If you look at it, the original reason was um, if I got to interview them, that meant that I got to talk to them and maybe they would like me, maybe they'd want me on their, their you know, client list, uh, their uh, job. Right. And then... uh this research started to, to be really interesting. Other people were interested in it. Um, Josie Bass came to uh, Far Associates, and 
went to Center for Creative. They went to Center for Creative Leadership, and they were interested in Jim Farr writing a book. And I was really going to write an article, and uh, turns out they said, you know, that's you've got enough for a book there. And then the bank bought the consulting firm, and so they again brought the rules down, like dress codes. And so I quit, and I sent off a bunch of book proposals based on my work. And when I got home, I had a book deal. Wow! Wow! That's amazing. So tell us in in your research what what was the most impactful um you know kind of story scenario that that you heard about that that you then used to tell the story in the story factor Well the story factor um came after first of all I I started to realize you use stories as a uh first of all they're a research uh, tool. The second thing is that you can use stories to communicate in a way that um, makes a point without you getting burned at the stake. I wrote a book in between that called "A Safe Place for Dangerous Truths." Mm, wow! And that yeah, and so that's really where I learned. Uh, I've facilitated. Uh, uh, dialogue between these two, you know, territories at impasse, and um, and in order to do that, uh, I had to figure out a way to get them in the room. I had to figure out a way for them to talk to each other so that they didn't just get madder at each other. And the best tool that worked was for them to tell their story from their point of view, right? Because you can't hate somebody once you know their story you know that that was one of the points that jumped out at me uh you know from the recap of your book that's included in you know in the 100 best business books of all time and you know i I thought of how many companies that i've been in that that have had some level of dysfunction and uh, you know people who either don't like each other or who just flat out don't respect each other but you're right as soon as you do get that story out it's really really hard so yeah what what tool do you use to get people to start telling that story very easy and not very easy. Battling. <laughs> i'll tell you exactly how you get people to tell uh-huh. your story tell you their story you you tell them your story um now you got to be brief and you can't be doing it out of ego so my right. guess is that you're going to have to tell a story that's pretty self um it's either self-deprecating and i don't mean in that you know sort of way that makes somebody cringe right but it's got it's it, you can tell the story yeah and yeah. and and what you're doing is that you are going first in the dance of trust got it you tell them a little bit about you and then and then when you ask your questions you're much more likely to get a story and of course it it goes about how you ask your questions um, you don't ask yes or no, no questions, right? But but if you know you've got you've got it going here where where somebody says you know I have a I have an Italian greyhound and and so then somebody else tells about their pet and then you be, you've already started this personal relationship you've you've taken it to a different level you change the atmosphere of of connection, right? 
And um, you can do that in business, too, uh, even with someone who can't stand you. Or in, in situations, I can speak personally, of people who I can't stand. Frankly, traveling gives me an opportunity to be in front of a person who, at the moment, I can't stand. <laughs> because, you know, we're both under a lot of stress, and the uh, airline has, you know, told them to say, I can neither confirm nor deny. Um, Ma'am, I don't know when the plane will be taken off. Uh, and I've learned I've learned how to ask code questions like is the equipment you know uh, has the equipment left the the airport that it's coming from you know so anyway um, I'll ask I'll say you know I'm I'll say where are you going for Christmas if 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 it's not too tense right but if it if if it's real tense, I might say, say say something like, "I don't know. Maybe I'm just freaked out. I'm going to my husband's wife. I'm going to my boyfriend's wife's family for Christmas." And there's no way she can't ask what, <laughs> because my my boyfriend's a widow widower, right? And the kids need to see their grandparents, right? Right. So, um, you know, there's all sorts of ways, but, but it almost always starts with you um, telling your story in some sort of way because the story begets the story. For instance, exactly. if you ever want to hear a story about where somebody was on September 11th, all you have to do is say where you were, and they can't help but tell you where they were on September 11th. Exactly, exactly. Well, you know, I'd like to open it up for for questions, Annette. I know you you were uh, uh, paying very very close attention to who was on the call, and we actually do have a couple of people. Uh, Veronica is back, um, and I'm gonna leave the recording on, guys. But uh, as always, if there's any uh, self disclosure that happens that I feel is not appropriate to be uh, available to people who weren't on the call live, uh, I will edit that out. So. Um, uh, Veronica, you want to go ahead and give your intro? Sure. I'm Veronica DeBoyce, and I'll you can't tell the Oh, you're bouncing back and forth. Are you on a speakerphone, Veronica? Here I am. There you go. So, That's better. I'm Veronica DeBoyce, and I'm the VP of Sales and Marketing at Tripology. We're a travel technology company located in Manhattan. And I live in northern New Jersey with my husband and our cat. And uh, it's getting a little less cold, so I'm happy. Okay, great. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, we also have on the call, although she is listening uh, via headset on her computer, uh, Heather Doherty, who is going to be our guest uh, in a few weeks. And Heather... Uh, is part of the leadership team at Hitwise. And, uh, again, because she's listening on the computer, we can't uh, hear her. And she is down in Argentina, so when she uh, talks uh, in a few weeks as our guest, we'll have her tell us all about that. And then, L.A., did I see you on the phone, too? I see. I thought I saw her somewhere here. Okay, she may may have had to drop off. Did we have anybody else join? Okay, well, who would like to uh, either make the first comment or ask the first question of Annette? 
Or Annette, do you have something you want to pose to uh, the group? I should ask that as well. Um, actually, I was trying to sneak an M&M. Um, <laughs> it's Friday. So uh, I don't know. If if if, if I have t- get time, I'm going to ask a question about a book that a publisher wants me to, to write. Do you all want to talk about story? Anybody have any questions about storytelling or, or how to use story to sneak some truth in? Yeah, I actually love that safe place for dangerous truth and going first in the dance of trust. And I know I, it's worked really, really well for me in my life because I, I am uh, one who's not afraid to disclose things in my life. So uh, it is a great way to start dialogue. I think I heard somebody. somebody. Well, and that, I remember when I when I read your book, um, one of the things that I really loved about it is that, first of all, you tell all these really wonderful stories. And it's very, like you said, it's very hard to hear a story without not wanting to share your own. But what I liked about your book was you had a lot of ideas for people so that they could start thinking about sharing their own. And a lot of people that I work with, they don't think of themselves as creative. They They don't really feel like storytelling relates to who they are, what their personality is at work. And I was wondering if you could just share a couple of the, one or two of the exercises that you include in your book to help people start thinking about how they actually have a story right on the tip of their tongue and how to get that out. Yeah, the um, it's not usually women who, although although women at, at you know, I, one of my friends is a uh, an actuary uh, at the the top of of her business game, and she would really much rather look at tables and and charts and have a PowerPoint presentation and sit behind it. So all of the people who are in that category, um, probably not people on the girlfriend's you know phone call. Uh, you may be responsible for helping them communicate better. Uh, one of the things that, that I get called in to do is, is you know, help engineers communicate better, help leadership, anybody at the C-level communicate better. And they always tell me, well, I really don't have any stories to tell. And um, and and frankly, Sybil, you're right. A lot of women don't have any stories to tell. They they think that their life is boring. Everybody's life is fascinating. And one of the things that I ask people to, to do is, first of all, think about the quality that earns you the right to um, to their trust. So everybody has. You know, there's, there's, you wouldn't be talking to this person if you didn't think you had something to offer them. And so, specifically, what qualities is it? Integrity? Is it uh, that you are compassionate? Is it that um, you are creative? Whichever, whichever one it, you know, that are your, whichever ones are your top three. One of the things you can do is identify, identify those. And then try to find a story in your background that gives an example of that. Because if, for instance, integrity is the one I always like to pull out because I have my hidden agenda about that. But integrity is something that happened when nobody was looking, where you did the right thing, 
Nobody would ever know whether you did or not. And you did the right thing anyway. Um, because it, and it cost you something. You know, if integrity didn't cost you anything, then that's not integrity, you know. Um, and integrity means different things to different people. To my daddy, it means that he does what he's told because he was working in the federal government and he was in the Army Reserve. And that chain of command and the loyalty was, was you know, very much a part of how things work. For me, integrity means that if a client asks me to do something that doesn't feel like the right thing to do, I don't do it. And that means I lose the client. So, you know, I can tell a story about when that happened, but more to the point, anybody and you, everybody on this on this this phone call, you know, Jessica, Leslie, Christy, Teresa, you guys You've got, you know, there's certain qualities that you have, you offer. And uh, if you have those qualities, then I can tell you for sure that there are stories where, and, and here's the other important thing, there's times when it really costs you to to be true to your values. There's times when you actually weren't true to your values and you regretted it, which back to what Chicky was saying, you know, when you want to take the first step in the trust dance, telling a story when you didn't reach your own, uh, you know, standards. Right, right. And, you know, it's really interesting because I, I had a, a challenge uh, today where, uh, well, I had some things happen in, in business this week that, that didn't go quite as I would have wanted to. They They actually turned out okay. But I realized a couple of days later when some other business situation came up that the lesson I learned on Tuesday was actually for Thursday. And, <laughs> and uh, that, that happens to be quite frequently. Um, but, you know, the, the way I chose to share it um, was, you know, to look, look backwards and actually kind of uncouple the story that happened on Tuesday and to let, uh, to let everyone else learn the lesson as they needed to. <laughs> Uh, you know, to today, and um, and it was it was uh, is the word cathartic or cathartic? yeah, absolutely. It was cathartic for yeah. me to go back and and to take a look at it. And it's so funny that you talk about integrity, Annette, because last Tuesday I, I uh, go to something called LifeWork Leadership once a month, and it's a, a group of Christian business uh, people here in Tampa. There are about thirty of us, and it's a ten month program, half a day uh, each month. And last Monday or last Tuesday uh, was about integrity, and it was funny because the guys that they had talking were all military, so they were just like your dad. They were talking right. about that same kind of stuff of being told to do something, knowing right. it's wrong, you know, having right. to figure out how to deal with that chain of command. Because having gone through West Point, you right. know, it was all about doing what you were told, but at the same time, you couldn't uh, abide by. Uh, you know, people who were, uh, you know, getting in the way of the things that were truly right and wrong. And, um, you know, I had been having a struggle, um, you know, with some things that I don't perceive as integrity, but there are other people that do, like being precisely on time. For right. some people, that's really a, a huge integrity issue. And for me, if somebody's late, you know, I'm like totally okay with that. And and, and because I just wasn't raised where, you know, the, the watch and the time and, and being precise was important, but I'm having to learn that it is important to other people. So, you know, telling stories about stuff like that and where, where you fail 
you know, to meet up to other people's standards, uh, again, is one of those great storytelling of, of uh, again, that self-disclosure, but uh, being able to bring it back around to what you've learned, I, I think, is the real bottom line there. Okay, other questions? Well, do, we have, do we have any other questions? Because we, uh, we really do need to get to the, the other half of our call. Last week we didn't get a chance to because Henry Hardevelt, who was wonderful, went all the way to 530. Well, then I'm not going to do that. Well, we love him. Yeah, we hadn't had a call all the way through Christmas and New Year's, and I really missed everybody. So um, at this point, we we turn off the recording on the call. And uh, Annette, I just thank you so much for telling your own story and and for your self-disclosure. And uh, I will make sure that her uh, the link to her book is on the Executive Girlfriends Group Book Club page, which is on one of the tabs on the homepage of the, the website. And I'll show you guys that in, in a little bit when we're closing down. But let me turn off our recording.